0: Breakthrough. Breakthrough.
1: Breakthrough. Breakthrough.
0: Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Breakthrough.
1: breakthrough. You are now listening to Breakthrough News.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm Rania Kalik and this is Dispatches. All eyes are on Afghanistan as the Taliban has rapidly taken over the entire country, forcing the U.S. to withdraw more quickly and chaotically than anticipated as the government it propped up for two decades collapsed with shocking speed following a U.S. so-called peace deal that threw its allies under the bus and essentially handed the country over to the Taliban, which it had spent all this time fighting. Apart from the justified concern for, for Afghans facing more state collapse, uncertainty, Taliban rule and potential further conflict, There's also a lot of Western-centric concern. Why did we fail? How do we in the West feel about it? But in reality, the West is removed and distant. Iran, on the other hand, is Afghanistan's neighbor. Iran hosts about 2 million official or unofficial Afghan refugees and will likely absorb even more. Iran had a bad relationship with the Taliban in the 90s who killed its diplomats. And it had a good relationship with the government, which just collapsed in Kabul. Iran now has to deal with this new reality on its border. To discuss this, as well as other developments in and around Iran, I'm joined by Mohamed Mirandi, Professor of English Literature and Orientalism at the University of Tehran. Mohammed, welcome.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: So, you know, beyond how the Taliban takeover will impact Iran, I also wanted to touch on some other topics related to Iran with you, like developments with the nuclear negotiations between Washington and Tehran, the impact of sanctions and COVID and the ongoing water crisis in the country. But I mean, before we get to that, I, of course, want to go uh, I want to talk about Afghanistan with you. So let's start with that. Why don't you give our listeners and view- your viewers an idea of what the view from Tehran is on what just transpired in Afghanistan. You know, we know that Iranians wanted America out of their backyard, obviously, but it doesn't seem they wanted it to happen this way necessarily.
1: Well, actually it's more or less how Iran wanted it. Uh, As you saw, there was no fighting. None of the groups, none of the the Tajiks or the Hezaras or the Shias or the Uzbeks, none of them, Uh, fought the Taliban. And the reason was that uh, there was a lot of uh, negotiations going on. But I have to go back a bit to give you uh, a better understanding of how it looks from Tehran. The Taliban, after it was defeated by the Americans, uh, they were in a very bad situation. And at that time, uh, even the Pakistani government they betrayed them. They threw them out the window under American pressure. So they were isolated. The Iranians treated them differently, even though we had a very bad relationship beforehand. The Taliban had create, car- carried out many atrocities uh, and they killed the Iranians as well, Iranian diplomats. Uh, the Iranians began to talk and speak with the Taliban. Mm -hmm. And we have to keep in mind that when the Taliban killed those Iranian diplomats and when they were killing people in the North, Tajiks, Persian speakers, Shias and so on, and other minorities, who combined are actually the majority. In other words, the Pashtun Taliban are less than 50%. Uh, Iran never intervened. Mm -hmm. So the Iranians never went inside Africa, unlike the Soviet Union, unlike the United States, unlike the British, the Iranian Iranian military was never sent inside Afghanistan. So uh, the Iranians began to speak with the Taliban when they were at their very low point. And uh, gradually that dialogue evolved. And uh, roughly around 10 years later, the, the relationship uh, began to change and uh, the Taliban began to change. And this, I think, is a very important point. Uh, some people within the Taliban changed. Some people were removed from the Taliban, removed in different ways. So um, the Taliban that we see today is not, the Taliban of 2025 20, years ago. That doesn't mean that Iran is happy with their ideology or that they're ideological brothers, but this is not the Taliban of 2025 years ago. So yeah.
0: Continue. The, Iranian,
1: the, 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 Taliban, the Taliban promised Iran a few years back four things. One was not to target minorities, and they haven't. Uh, There have been a few attacks here and there, but they weren't by the Taliban. Um, Because, as you know, the Taliban is fractured, the different factions, and also there are other groups as well. ISIS, uh, the Americans allowed ISIS to become active in Afghanistan. And by the way, the Taliban destroyed ISIS in Afghanistan. So that's an important point when when. ISIS was transferred, or elements of ISIS were transferred to Afghanistan, the Taliban uh, crushed them. So, the Taliban has evolved, and they promised not to kill minorities, and Iranians believe that they've kept that promise. They promised to keep the borders between uh, the two countries secure, and the Taliban has controlled a large segment of the border between Iran and Afghanistan for a very long time, and they've been very influential on the Pakistani side of the border because Pakistan does not have a strong control over its borders. It's, it, you know, the country is very poor and impoverished. There's no, uh, the government really doesn't exist in many parts of the country. It's basically an army. The only thing that it really has going for it is is an army. So the Taliban. has kept the borders secure. Those elements that the Saudis and the Americans were funding, the terrorists uh, that were based inside Pakistan, they were eliminated by the Taliban over the past few years. And that's why we've had very secure borders uh, during these last few years.
0: And that, sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah. And there are a couple of other things. The Iranians The the Taliban promised that they would do no deals with the United States. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. And that is something that the Iranians took note of. And the fourth was the Taliban promised not to turn upon their countrymen and countrywomen. right? So they promised not to create a civil war. Mm -hmm. If you've noticed as I said earlier, as, as everyone has noticed. The army collapsed, but there are very powerful people across Afghanistan who can control large numbers of soldiers. In, in, the, in the North, the different, like the Uzbeks, the Tajiks, the Hezaras, the Shias, but none of them put up a fight. And the reason was that they there was an agreement that this would be settled peacefully. Now, does this mean that the Taliban is going to remain peaceful? Because we do see a difference between the Taliban today and 25 years ago. I mean, there are there's footage of unpleasant things, but a lot of the footage, by the way, is old footage. Mm. But there are unpleasant things happening, but it's not what we were, ex- what many people were expecting across the world, this bloodbath. And, and so, so far we haven't seen that. Is it going to be like it was a month ago or two months ago or a year ago? Or two? No, of course not. That's not how it's going to be. But the Taliban has promised to be inclusive. Now the Iranians are monitoring the situation mm-hmm. and the Iranians are also in contact with the, with the neighbors. And keep in mind that 20, 30 years ago, the neighbors of, um, the Central Asian neighbors of Afghanistan. I'm sorry if I'm talking too long. The Central no, no, Asian you know, neighbors. I just
0: want to. I just want to make a point. It's like you're psychic because you're literally just answering all my questions before I have. Like I've. <laughs> these are everything I was going to ask you. So please keep going. Makes my job easier. Just go ahead. Uh, okay. So, well, sorry about.
1: Sorry <laughs> no, no, for, it's good.
0: For... It's excellent.
1: <laughs> Remember, the Central Asian countries today are much stronger than they were before, because. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, they had just emerged out of the collapse of the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. They were not real nation states, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, and so on. Now, it's a different situation. China is much stronger today than it was 20, 30 years ago, as we all know. And Russia is also stronger. Iran is much stronger than it was 20, 30 years ago so the taliban they have evolved mm-hmm. how have they, how much have they evolved we'll see in the coming months we'll see in the coming year or two cuz there is a dip- up to now there's a consensus in iran up to the point that i've mentioned but now in iran there is not an agreement as to predict the you know the future they there are some people who are skeptical and some who are more optimistic mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so, and
1: the,
0: the, yes. well, that, that that's one thing I was gonna ask you about was this sort of like coordinating with other regional players to pursue stabilization of Afghanistan, which you basically already went into. But I do think that that is a positive thing in the sense that the peop- the countries that neighbor Afghanistan have way more of a stake in a stable country than America, which is on the other side of the world. Aside from the imperialist, you know, uh, reasons for America being there, the idea that the US would have interest in having that country be stable. Like it doesn't impact the US, but it actually does impact China, Iran, all of the former Soviet bloc countries that you mentioned that actually border Afghanistan. So, in that sense, you know, is Iran coordinating with other regional players to pursue this stabilization? Is there some sort of concrete uh, coordination in this respect?
1: Well, the majority of the coordination is actually inside Afghanistan. Mm. And that is that Iran is coordinating between the Taliban and the different minority groups to make sure there's no civil war. Mm -hmm. The worst case scenario is a civil war. The Taliban has promised not to push in that direction. The other groups, for the time being, they are going to take that as the Let's say they're going to assume that it's, this is going to be the case. But they're always, they're always going to be prepared for uh, a different situation. The Taliban, so, I, so as I said earlier, the Taliban has evolved. Now, there may be viewers who, are, who will be very skeptical of what I'm saying. That's fine. Mm. But this is the belief in Tehran, and they've been doing business and talking with them for a very long time now. Then-
0: yeah. oh. Go ahead.
1: Yes. And, and, and one important point that I, I, I want to make here is that the United States does not want Afghanistan to be stable. The Americans, as long as it was theirs, they wanted stability or at least relative stability. But the way in which the Americans pulled out was obvious that the intention, it was obvious that the intention was to create a vacuum. For a civil war, because a civil war in Afghanistan or instability in Afghanistan is bad for Iran, it's bad for Russia, it's bad for China, and it's bad for India. The Americans don't suffer the the consequences. And the way in which they pulled out stunned the Afghanistani government. Mm -hmm. They were shocked. And the American, you know, the pullout was done in the worst possible way. Even when they left bases, they didn't even notify the government. So it was clear that the American intention in the eyes of Iranians was to destabilize Af- Afghanistan. The Taliban, on the other hand, they know that 25 years ago, 20 years ago, they failed. And this time around, as I said, there's, there's been an, there, it's evolved ideologically mm-hmm. to a degree. Neighboring countries are much more powerful. And they know they have to deal with more than half of the country anyway. They, they, are, they are not the majority. So the Taliban, and a final point I should add, is that the Taliban also knows that they, they have to run the country. Yes. And when they came to power 25, let's say over two decades ago, the country was in the midst of a civil war. When they came, they took away women's rights. They did a lot of blood. There was a lot of bloodshed, a lot of massacres, a lot of crimes. But a lot of the people back then just wanted the civil war over. Right. So the Taliban came and took large swathes of territory when people were quiet. Now it's a different situation because Afghanistan, you know, people, girls are going to school. Women are going to university. Some go to work. It's not, it's, you know, the middle class in in Afghanistan is not large. And uh, it's not as if the whole of the country is like Iran or, you know, or, or Turkey or Malaysia or something like that. But, But it is a changed society. So the Taliban, and also now that the Americans are gone, a lot of the money that is spent in the country, although most of it was just corruption, American contractors, uh, the the president, his people, the Afghanistan, uh, the uh, the Afghanistani president was immensely corrupt. That money is no longer going to be there. So the the crumbs that go down into Afghanistan's society are not going to be available. Most of that money went, you know, into businesses, the, the crumbs, trade with Pakistan. That money's gone. Pakistan is a very poor country. So the Taliban is going to need good relations with Iran, especially because Iran has oil and gas. Mm-hmm. It'll need good tra- relations with, India, with China, It'll need good relations with Central Asia. So it's, you know, the the situation is not what it was 20, 25 years ago, 30 years ago. So the interest, there's an interest right now to make sure the situation stays stable. The Iranians wanted the Americans to go. This is a big victory for Iran, to be very blunt. This was a big victory for Iran. And uh, the Afghanistani president was an enemy of iran as well he unlike the previous president uh he he was extremely hostile towards iran as hostile as the americans were so the iranians had no real sympathy for him either but the iranians did not conspire against the Afghanistani government what they did was that they kept a dialogue with all sides the government the taliban and the major players in the north. And th- throughout this period, they've been negotiating. It's not dissimilar to what Iran has been doing, for example, in, in Iraq, where you have all these different political parties, you've been to Iraq, and Iran is all in contact with everyone. Unlike the Americans who choose, they choose their man and they try to crush everyone else, right. the Iranian way is to talk with everyone and try to keep the lines of communications open even in, in Syria that's what the iranians did as up to a point because the syrian government was sensitive about certain groups and so the groups that the the syrian government did not want the iranians to talk speak with the iranians would would stay away from them mm.
0: So you mentioned the issue of minorities, and of course the Ashura uh, commemorations are hap- are going to be happening in the next uh, couple of days, and it's really it's going to I think be the first test of the Taliban's um, religious tolerance, right, of the historically oppressed Hazara Shias. So is Iran uh, concerned about the fate of the Shia Hazaras, um, and also you know. Uh, they, there's something to be said, right, about the militia of the Hazaras that fought quite heroically in Syria against Takfiris, uh, and they were backed by the IRGC. So, do you expect now that they're back home, they'll play a role in defending Afghan Shias, or I guess keeping the peace, if you will, with this new Taliban takeover?
1: Iran, is it naive? Mm. And Iran is, has not closed its eyes to events in Afghanistan. Iran is monitoring the situation, and they are in contact with all of their friends across the board. And it's not just the Hazaras; It's the Tajiks mm-hmm. and the other minorities. That are, they're all very close to Iran. Keep in mind, Ahmed Shah Massoud, he was backed by Iran. So the, the so-called Northern Alliance that swept and took over Afghanistan from the Taliban after the attacks on the United States, this was a force that was funded and protected by Iran. So Iran has its friends and allies. It's not simply the Hazaras or the Shias or the Persian speakers. Iran has a, a, a large segment of allies and even a, a significant se- segment of the Pashtun population has a close relationship with Iran and has had one and also there's civil society university professors and uh, the relation I mean, right now we have something like um 16,000 afghanistani university students in iran something like 15 or 16, uh, 15 or, or 16,000 and f- the, almost the same who who've graduated from university you have uh i think um 500,000 Afghanistani children in Iranian schools. I mean, Europeans who like to pretend and Americans that like to pretend that they welcome refugees. We've had up to three and a half million refugees in the country. And right now we have a huge number of refugees and more coming in. And they all, all these children go to Iranian state schools, like Iranian students. So the Iranians know quite well that what's going on in the country and they know what dangers lie ahead because the Taliban has different factions and you you clips may come out in one town there may be some atrocity or uh, it's going to be an uneven you know situation across the country yes but the worst case scenario is civil war of course and the Iranians want to make sure there is no civil war because if there's a civil war, everyone is going to lose, whether they're Pashtun or they're Tajik or they're Hezares or they're Uzbeks, no one is going to win. Right. So the best case scenario, if if one wants to make sure the interests of the Shia, of the Tajiks, of the Sunni, larger Sunni community is taken into account, the best solution is for no shots to be fired. Now, so far the taliban has behaved very differently from what we've seen 25 years ago and as i said these are not the same people many of these people were not in charge of the taliban many of the people who were in charge of the taliban or back then, of the taliban back then were are dead some of them were dead because they were killed some of them died but this is uh, this is uh, a de- now someone some may say he's being extraordinarily naive and this is the, if let's assume that the Iranians took a hard line and decided to support its allies, the Tajiks, the Uzbeks, the other minorities, the Hazaras, the, the Shias, the Pashtuns that are close to Iran in a war against the Taliban. What would, what would that lead to? It'd disaster, would, it war. would be a disaster. It would be a disaster. It would be a disaster. So unless, if there can be a solution, so far so good on the whole does that mean it's going it's perfect no of course not does that mean that women's rights are going to be uh respected like they were no that things are going to change yes but it's better that that there's no war and that people are not slaughtered yes and the (laughs) taliban knows that they're going to need to do business with iran it knows that they're going to, they know that they have to do business with Central Asian countries, with China and so on. So, and, and Russia, of course, in, in, in its own way, because Russia has a lot of influence in Central Asia. Mm. And, even, and even Pakistan knows that a civil war in Afghanistan is not to their benefit. The Pakistan is under a lot of Chinese influence as well. And so the Chinese do not want this to go in the wrong direction. So they will have a say, you know, they will be speaking with Pakistan. And of course there's India too. So the Taliban has to play it smart if they want to, if they don't want to fail.
0: And, you know, to a broader point, um, this is an unprecedented situation in terms of what it says about America, I think, in terms of the way the rest of the world is viewing America. And I saw you making this point on Twitter. So I'd like to ask you to elaborate. uh, What does this say for U.S. allies? You know, I'm talking about groups and states like the YPG, Israel, Saudi Arabia. They're surely watching this and feeling worried, I would imagine. You know, what if the U.S. abandons us? They spent two trillion dollars in two decades propping up a uh, very corrupt government in Afghanistan, and o- overnight, it, they literally just left. <laughs> um, they, you know, airlifted themselves out and said bye, and didn't really care about, you know, the the situation on the ground. So, what does it say for U.S. allies around the world? Are you thinking about U.S. Well, empire? Me,
1: before I respond to this, let me just add that the extraordinarily corrupt government in Kabul was not more corrupt than the American contractors. Mm. And it was not more corrupt than those American military elements within the American military that allowed the drug trade to increase 20 fold after the collapse of the Taliban. The drug trade doesn't happen just like that. They Mm -hmm. have huge, they, you know, they have their crops, American jets fly overhead, the Americans know the Americans know exact, they knew exactly what was going on in Afghanistan everywhere. So the corruption is not, you know, some Afghanistani thing. The corruption was the occupation more than anything else. The the occupation fed that corruption because it was corrupt itself. Of course. But I would say that this goes beyond the region. I I agree with everything that you say u.s friends or allies in syria know that the americans have to leave and we've been talking about this for a long time now the the reason why the one reason that the americans that sorry the iranians have been talking with the taliban for two decades is that the iranians knew that ultimately the americans are going to have to leave because they are bleeding so much just like just like saudi arabia iran knows that at some point Things are going to go south for Saudi Arabia because they can't just keep paying and paying and paying the, the Saudis and the Emirates hundreds of billions of dollars. There's not like some endless amount of money out there for them to spend. The America, so the Iranians knew that. That's why they you know they planned for this situation years back. And remember, the head of the Woods. Force in Iran used to be in charge of Afghanistan. He knows he knows the country quite well. So not only our American allies should, will American allies in Iraq and Syria, in countries in the region, even in 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 Israel, not only are they concerned, but I think it goes beyond the region. I think Taiwan mm. should definitely be concerned. I think Ukraine should Everyone, anyone who has anything to do with the United States is going to see the United States as, you know, much less credible, much less reliable, much less capable, because the the, the shambolic withdrawal of the United States from Afghanistan shows, I think, more about what's going on inside the United States than what's going on in Afghanistan. This occupation has helped empty the United States of its middle class. It's helped to wreck the middle class. Not just this occupation. When when we look at the amount of money that the United States has wasted in this region, Trump a few years ago said, I think, $6 trillion, right? I think he said $6 trillion. If we extend that, it's probably something like $8 trillion now. How can they go on, especially when they want to Confront China or to mm-hmm. compete with China, so the U.S. So not only is the United States seen as the the withdrawal, not only was it seen as shambolic, but it's reflective of the this, the decline of American power and a huge intelligence failure. I was told just on Saturday that this government would collapse within four days Mm -hmm. so today is i don't know since it's not live i'm not sure i mean well we're recording
0: this (laughs) we're recording this two days we're recording this the day after it collapsed so it collapsed on sunday a day later it collapsed a day after you were told four days
1: yeah so so that it was it collapsed two days after i was told oh okay uh that it would collapse Mm -hmm. the iranians knew what was happening americans did not from what we've read in uh, the uh, clueless, intelli- they're clueless you know, from the- so they don't know what's going on in the country, mm-hmm. and that means that the Americans really don't know what's going on in Iraq, right? And that means the Americans don't know what's going on in Syria, and the list goes on. American intelligence is terrible. <laughs> in addition to that, the Americans had to pull out biden pulled out because the americans simply can't spend more money so everyone now knows that the americans cannot make any more long-term commitments for war now some people may say they 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 may actually begin a new war because to 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 save face that's that speculation i i can't comment on that but the capability of the united states to wage war and to sustain the cost of war i think is no longer existent at least for major war That's something that people in Tehran are taking note of. So when the Americans say all options are on the table, well, the Iranians have been saying, yeah, right, for years. But now it's becoming clearer and clearer that the Americans, if they want to intervene in Iraq or in Yemen or in Syria or anywhere else, the price is just too much. Now, the Americans may say that's, you know, that's that's not true. The Americans may intervene somewhere, but we do know that the Americans have serious financial issues. They have serious problems at home, and this withdrawal is more linked to that than to anything else. If the Americans could keep the occupation forever, they would keep it forever, without a doubt. But that is why the Iranians are very confident that ultimately the Americans are going to have to leave Iraq. They're going to have to leave Syria and those who resist the occupation wherever it may be they're going to be more optimistic and they're going to have they're going to be m- m- motivated mm-hmm. and those who are linked to US occupation wherever it may be are going to be d- demoralized because they're going to look and say well look at what happened in Afghanistan
0: right um you know i'm curious just taking like a very brief historical tour do you hold the us responsible for the existence of the taliban in the first place and i guess what i mean by that is um is what, what never gets discussed in this conversation about afghanistan is that this didn't just start in 2001 i mean the us has been arming and funding chaos and destabilization in afghanistan since the 80s right to de- to try and since overthrow the 70s. Since the 70s, right, even before the Soviets invaded, uh, as they call it, and even before the Soviets came into Afghanistan, the U.S. had started its covert operation, the biggest in its history until Syria, uh, to arm and fund the Mujahideen to overthrow the Soviet-backed socialist government in Afghanistan. I mean, say what you want about them, but that caused a 10-year-long uh, war that destroyed the country that killed, I think, a million people. Um, and ultimately as a result, you ended up with the, uh, create, you know, you ended up with the blowback creation of Al Qaeda from some of the members that participated in the Mujahideen people like Osama bin Laden. So that's one, but two, you also had the, uh, Taliban created basically on the border between Pakistan and Afghanistan, and they came out of Saudi funded schools. Um, And, you know, you and of course, you know, there's a whole history behind what happened with the Taliban. Like you mentioned, they came in in the 90s. There was a civil war and they actually did manage to impose some sort of law and order in an otherwise chaotic environment uh, for sure. But that said, you know, when we look at what the U.S. did in the 80s, we look at what it did in the 90s and we look at what happened the last 20 years. I mean, you really can draw like take a thread through all of that and it just gets completely left out that. Had the U.S. just stayed out and left Afghanistan alone, you and I would not be having this conversation right now because there would be no al-Qaeda, there would be no Taliban. That's for sure.
1: And And the United States would be a much better place to live in. Right. But as you rightly point out, Brzezinski, the U.S. national security advisor, admitted that the United States tried to draw in the Soviet Union into Afghanistan they wanted the Soviet Union to occupy the country so that they could have, they could impose a Vietnam on the Soviet Union. So Carter, who is supposedly the human rights uh, supporter, he's the, the good guy among American presidents. And
0: sadly, he is. I mean, despite what you're about and to and say, sadly, he's- Comparatively
1: the- speaking, he's, he's, yeah. he's less evil. But- <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's not go into Nicaragua, no. let's not go into the or Samosa, Iran or, or Iran or, or for Cuba that matter or Iran and all that, right? But his national security advisor basically, under his authority, sacrificed Afghanistan, they sacrificed the country. And the United States, yes, they supported the, the Taliban and Al Qaeda. Now, someone may say, well, there was no Taliban or Al Qaeda, well, the, the Taliban the people didn't come out from outer space. They were people who were in different political parties. They were a part of the whole conflict in Afghanistan. But when the Taliban emerged, these people joined it. Mm -hmm. So the Taliban ultimately, if we look at it from that perspective and Al Qaeda was created by the United States and Saudi Arabia. And of course the British were involved. And it was a, a part of the Cold War. Even their their, their, their their extremist books, some of them were published in the United States. I think right. the University of Nebraska, if I'm not mistaken.
0: That's correct, yeah.
1: So the Taliban was a tool of, of empire, the U.S. empire. And after the Soviet Union collapsed, the United States wanted Central Asia for the sake of Iran, and for, for, you know, control of, of, of a, a huge area in, in Central Asia, at least influence. So the Taliban for a period of time was supported. For a period of time, it was tolerated. And U.S. allies supported it. The Saudis. Remember, only three countries in the world recognized the Taliban in the 1990s. Pakistan, of course, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. Do you think that any of these countries at that time would have recognized the Taliban when the United States was at the height of its power and the Soviet no. Union had collapsed? Uh, you know, when it was, as one person once said, a hyperpower, that they would have done that without U.S. consent? Of course not. Now, the world, of course, is changing because the United States is, is losing its prestige and authority, and it's been a gradual process and it's, it seems to be accelerating as we speak. But back then, the United States was at the height of its power. No so, competitors. Yeah. No competitors. So they they allowed the Taliban to grow. They supported the Taliban directly and indirectly, as I, as I pointed out. And then, of course, we had 9 11. And for a while, the Taliban was in a very bad state, and the, so, and the Saudis were also very cautious for a few years. And then of course, we had Syria and we had and, and, and by the way, it's not just the Taliban. it's Saddam Hussein. The same trajectory existed yeah. in Iraq. Who created Saddam Hussein? The United States. The Soviet Union was a part of it too. But the United States was behind it. The Europeans were behind it. Who gave Saddam Hussein chemical weapons? The Europeans. NATO, the United States was also involved, who gave them the intelligence to use those chemical weapons, the United States, who gave them the political cover to get away with it, the United States and the Europeans, these very same countries that speak about human rights, they gave Saddam Hussein, these weapons of mass destruction, and they destroyed Saddam Hussein and Iraq in the name of those weapons that they gave to him. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of, it's it's a, a similar trajectory, but What happened after 9-11 and the expulsion, remember, the Taliban actually told the Americans because the Taliban and the Al-Qaeda were not one in the same. Right. And uh,
0: And that's a a common mistake, by the way, that a lot of uh, people in the U.S. make. They were not one in the same. That's true.
1: Al-Qaeda was actually quite racist. And that was a major issue in Afghanistan. So that was one problem. That existed. But in any case, when the Taliban was defeated, the the Taliban began to fight against the United States. So they were no longer a tool of empire. Some people ask me why did Iran go to Syria and Iraq to fight, uh, but not in Afghanistan? There are a number of issues here. One is that, first of all, Iran was invited by the government in the capital. In Damascus, the government is the Syrian government. They asked Iran to go in. When did Iran go to Syria? In 2013, like Hezbollah. Mm -hmm. Not in 2011, not in 2012. They supported the government against extremist groups. But they went in 2013 after tens of thousands of foreign fighters had come into the country. The Taliban is an indigenous force. There are people coming from the Taliban of Pakistan, but the Taliban is an indigenous force. ISIS was an international force. Mm-hmm. And second of all, ISIS and al-Qaeda were supported by NATO. Not, Taliban is not supported by NATO now. It was once upon a time, but not now. So that's another difference. So Iran, first of all, only entered when the Iraqi government, the Syrian government. Someone may say, "Well, why is Iran not? Su- why is Iran supporting Ansarullah in Yemen?" Ansarullah in Yemen, in the eyes of Iran, is the government. They are the ones in the capital, despite years of atrocities by the Americans and the Saudis and the Emirates and the Europeans and the Canadians and all of them helping to carry out. Imposed starvation and atrocities. They've never been able to take the capital. Why? Because uh, Al Ansarullah and the Yemeni, the real Yemeni government has popular support. They are the government. And Iran supports them. But in any case, the Taliban today is fighting ha- and has been fighting against the United States and foreign occupation. So the Taliban is a part and uh, is a is a part of Afghanistani society. It is opposed to the occupation. It is promised to be different from what it was 20, 25 years ago. It is promised. We, don't, we have to wait and see what happens. It is promised to be inclusive. It's not going to be, you know, it's not, it's, there are going to be major changes, and many of them. those changes are not going to make you or me happy. But if they keep their promises, that will be a lot better than civil war. The yes. Taliban is not al-Qaeda. The Taliban is not ISIS. Um, Al Qaeda and ISIS today, especially.
0: And they don't. And of course, they don't seek to destabilize their neighbors, which is another uh, difference between them and the you know, ISIS and Al Qaeda branches that existed in Syria and Iraq, which sought to expand and have this like regional emirate. Um, but we have
1: to keep in mind, we're talking about the Taliban today.
0: Right, the right. The Taliban
1: right. today is one thing, the Taliban of 30 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, was something else we're talking about now the here and now
0: so i want to shift gears for a moment since we're discussing iran um i wanted to ask you about the situation with covid and
1: by the way by the oh. way one other thing the, the, mr ghani ashraf ghani the former president of pakistan of afghanistan he did not ask iran to intervene so the syrian government asked for Iran's support iran went in couple of years later the the russians came in in iraq the same was the case when isis came in iran was asked to help in afghanistan till the very last day when he left the country with his bags of money Ashraf afghani never asked iran to intervene so why would iran intervene with it when the government is not asking them to intervene right and
0: i didn't even know this was i didn't even know this was a criticism of iran that they hadn't intervened in afghanistan by the way i but i i would be i have to mention this since you brought up ashraf ghani the former president of iran who took his foreign passport and you know fled on a flight very quickly and embarrassingly uh yesterday um sunday uh he actually (laughs) wrote a book um if you can believe it with claire lockhart who is the wife of Joel Rayburn, who was a Trump official that was pretty much in charge of destroying Syria and Lebanon? Uh, they wrote. Well, they, they, they wrote together. I'm sorry. Was it a book or it was? I'm sorry. It was a paper. I think it's they, a policy paper. Yeah, it was a policy paper right? called called and you're gonna the, the, people will love this. They wrote a policy paper called "Fixing Failed Failed States," and Ashraf, and this was talking about how you know, giving advice about how Syria needs a transition. Good thing we didn't listen to these people. Ashraf Ghani and Claire Lockhart. Uh, it's a called, okay, I'm not just reading it. It says, Fixing Failed States, a Framework for Rebuilding a Fractured World. I mean, wow. Can you imagine this book must be flying off the shelves right now, considering what just happened?
1: But <laughs> <Well>, with the <laughs> amount of money that he's stolen from the country, he could buy all of the, the, he, doesn't really the yeah,
0: he, he doesn't really need the book. He doesn't really need the book. <laughs> he could make it a bit
1: bestseller if you like. So. He does, he doesn't Although really I don't think it's a book, book but anyway. yeah, I don't think he needs it.
0: Um, but I did, I didn't want to shift gears. Like I mentioned, and we can come back to this. I just wanted to ask you about the COVID situation in Iran. Cause I did see this report last week that uh, says that an Iranian is dying every two minutes from COVID. Now, of course, there's other countries where this has been happening as well. So it's not like just Iran, but the numbers have been pretty staggering. So um, I know a lot of countries have had explosions in COVID cases and it rises and falls. There's several waves. But given that the topic of COVID in Iran has been in the news, you know how much of this uh, new casualty rate would you attribute to U.S. sanctions, which continue to deny Iran access? I think all, not just to, to hospital equipment, but also to vaccines, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Well, let me first say that there are two components to this one is i think the fault of the current administration uh, or the outgoing administration the because we have a new president but the the new cabinet is not in so we're in a sort of transition phase but i mean the rohani administration which i'll Mm -hmm. get to momentarily and one is of course the sanctions when covid virus came into iran iran was under sanctions and the Americans blocked Iran from importing everything: masks, uh, test kits, ventilators. And they, and then when Iran began to develop its own vaccine, they they sanctioned the companies that were linked to the pro, the production of vaccines. It's extraordinary. I mean, and right now the Iranians are not going to explain the story because they don't want. Americans to know how they imported goods and things like that but it it's been a major problem just getting in certain equipment in order to produce vaccines for the for the factory and so on so sometimes they may buy something let's say from country A let's mm-hmm. say let's say in in Latin America or let's say from Europe then let's say it goes to Latin America, then from there it goes to East Asia, then it goes to Central Asia, then it goes somewhere in Europe, and then it goes, let's say, that's how it works. And so it goes like through eight, nine, 10 different countries till it gets to Iran, just so they could get it into the country. So imagine how time-consuming it is and how expensive it becomes. So the Americans were keen on uh, preventing Iran from being able to deal with the virus. And- Mm -hmm. I, I forget who it was. One of them actually gloated. I, uh, who, um, he tweeted that what COVID did to Iran, the, san, you know, the sanctions were unable to do. I, you know, something really disgusting. That's a typical As attitude,
0: was, typical arrogant, yeah,
1: yeah imperialist yeah, attitude. Uh, yes. So, so that's one. That was one problem. Mm. The second is that the Americans prevented, actively prevented Iran from purchasing vaccines. Iran. Had great difficulty transferring money mm. to get vaccines and the uh, another issue is that the sanctions regime itself prevented the Iranian administration from being able to lock down the country because when you have sanctions you don 't have the sort of reserves that you would need to give people money mm. you know so if, if I want to shut your down, if I want to shut down your shop, I can, you can't just sit at home and starve. I have to pay you to stay at home. If I'm going to enforce reg- regulations, if I'm going to force a lockdown, at least you have to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'll stay at home, but I need food. I need the basic uh, necessities to, to sustain myself till, or my family or my friends and so on until the lockdown ends. Iran doesn't have that luxury because the the government is is struggling just to to cope with the sanctions, so Iran can't have a proper lockdown, and that of course increases the um, the you know the rate of infection right. and because of the economic situation, it's more expensive for people to constantly put on masks right you know you have to purchase things you have to you know you have to have to pay for this sort of it's, it's not like it's not it, it's it's not only a problem but it's also it has expensive for people who are let's say who are struggling every you know dollar let's put it in, in american terms counts
0: yes
1: the problem though and this is something that i think is important and i've been complaining about for a long time in private is that the rohani government you know, we have a term called West toxification, which you know exactly what it means. And the problem is that many people in, in our government, and I think I I can, it's fair to say that I'm, I'm showing sure my own way I'm influenced by these, you know, West toxification is that they have a tendency to look to, to the West. Yeah. So, when the Chinese almost a year ago offered Iran to become a part of their uh vaccine uh program uh the, the third stage of part the third stage of their uh, trial uh, uh trials they 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 invited iran the emirates and and Turkey and the Turks and the Emiratis accepted, but in Iran we had first of all the Persian language media, the BBC, the Western owned and Saudi owned Persian media, the BBC Persian, Deutsche Welle Persian, all these online armies that are funded by the United States, the Saudis, and all—all all of them attacking the Chinese. Hmm. First of all, this China virus thing was also being constantly spread. You know, fee, uh, th- this Western funded owned media was, you know, was focused on this narrative. Then they questioned the Chinese vaccine. So when the Chinese said that, okay, if you become a pro- part of this uh, process, we will give you large amounts of vaccines and for free, actually, but, and you will be prioritized in receiving vaccines. The government, under pressure from these Pro-Western elites and the media, they backed off. Wow. The Turks, the Turks and the Emiratis said yes. And they're not, they're way ahead of us right now in vaccines. Dr. Zarif, and you know, I'm saying this for the sake of history, he worked hard to get this done. He went, he, the Chinese, you know, he, he was pushing to have this happen. Mm-hmm. People like myself, we were all supporting this. But under pressure from this anti-Chinese movement, the government backed down. And in my opinion, many people died as a result. Also, the day after the Iranian Ministry of Health approved the Russian uh, Sputnik vaccine, mm-hmm. Dr. Zarif we went to Moscow, I think this was in January, and the Russians welcomed it, and they were going to uh, cooperate to develop the to, to have the vaccine also produced in Iran and to have russian vaccine. when he came to Iran, he was attacked by the same mm. uh, by this same uh, let's call it um, these same influential people mm-hmm. and some of these people w- wanted to they were personally involved in attempting to purchase the Pfizer vaccine, small quantities. So they had a vested interest in preventing the Russian and especially the Chinese vaccine from being brought into the country. And the government was not, the government had, and I know you can edit this if you want. The government had, I mean, Iran had concerns about the American vaccine for a number of issues. One is in, in a country like Iran, uh, where it's very warm, keeping the vaccines and and the the prop because the, the Pfizer vaccine, as you know, has to be kept under very uh, careful, cold, uh, the, right? very cold conditions. Like,
0: uh, yeah, below freezing, right?
1: Yes, much below freezing, mm-hmm. much below freezing. That was a problem. The second is that the Iranians did the Americans were sanctioning Iran. What if the the Iranians couldn't rely on Pfizer? Right. Of course. And and the Americans haven't even given Pfizer to most countries they're, you know, they're they're way behind on their commitments. Of course. So and also for Iran, it was the, the technology was a new technology. And Iran, they thought that this, you know, this is, you know, let's wait a few years. So this technology proves itself and the old way of doing things, the traditional vaccines for the time being, we'd prefer that. So there yeah. were a host of reasons. They didn't trust the Americans. The Americans could have, you know, suddenly stopped sending the Pfizer vaccines and they would have fabricated a, a reason not to do so. And Iran could have given people their first vaccine and then there'd be no not, no vaccines for the, for the second. Uh, you know, there are all sorts of reasons why yes. Iran preferred or it would have been better for Iran to choose the Chinese and the Russians. Now the government has been purchasing Chinese vaccines. It's also developing the Iranian vaccine is now beginning to be produced. uh, Not as fast as they want, but, uh, but back, but if they had not pursued this policy, if they had accepted the offer of the Chinese, I would have volunteered. Mm. Uh, Many people would have volunteered. And then by now we could have had a large segment of Iranian society vaccinated and the situation would be very different. So, so West toxification mm-hmm. plus Western anti-Chinese, anti-Russian propaganda, uh, I think contributed a lot to this situation. But again, a lot of it has to do with sanctions. And of course, again, even this has to do with Western countries because this anti-Chinese, anti-Russian narrative that we've been seeing online you know through western backed online armies based in albania and, and elsewhere and these websites and their television stations all I mean, this is all funded by the west so they not only through sanctions but also by dissuading iranians or making ordinary iranians distrust chinese and russian vaccines they contributed to, to this situation it's, in that one, way as well. one
0: could say that the American government and the British government, through their media proxies, are actually promoting anti vax disinformation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or at
1: least, yes, in, in a way. Depending a, on which country yes, it, it comes that, from. Yes. Yes. In, yes. In, in a way. So, but I'm not saying that the Iranian government, uh, they, they're, they're blameless. All, con- all governments have problems, all con- governments have shortcomings there uh, you know in western countries they in these think tanks like they like to say in iran there's incompetence and there's corruption well first of all there's incompetence and corruption in western countries as well, we saw in afghanistan
0: yeah i think more it, than yeah. i
1: think afghanistan is the uh, best example to show how utterly corrupt the united states is mm-hmm. but even corruption in iran Is partially due to sanctions. When you shut down the banking system, the government has to make purchases or export. People have to do it underground.
0: Of course. So that they can
1: circumvent the US sanctions. So it's no longer regulated. If you Mm -hmm. want to circumvent the sanctions, you have to go underground. When it's done underground, then the chances that people will steal, they'll cheat, and so it becomes much greater. So if, if you import and export from your banking system, then everything is, is pretty clear when you can't mm-hmm. use the banking system. So I find this to be Orientalist. Of course. Narrative.
0: No, and they do this with every country that's that's suffering from this squeezing of the region. It's all just ineptitude and corruption. And these people yeah. are just dumb and backwards. Yeah. They just can't figure it out. So why racist. do you have all these
1: sanctions yeah, yeah exactly so why if they're if they're so corrupt then why do you? So, so often they say well it's not really the sanctions it's their own they want to and the western media wants to do this and western intellectuals link to the state and think tank they want to i think be able to sleep at nights
0: yeah of so course the they best have to tell way, themselves fairy tales no, yeah, so why? it's yeah. not
1: it's not me supporting sanctions that's murdering children. It's their own incompetence.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> exactly. So it's as if the sanctions don't do anything. I'm a good guy. I have, you know, I'm not I want to. But in reality, they're what they're just whitewashing crimes against humanity. No, they're
0: starving children. They're starving children and literally killing people by denying them access to. Life-saving medications. I mean, it's as basic as that. And also just immiserating populations by causing shortages that, you know, these people that are making these decisions from air-conditioned offices in Washington, D.C. or on Wall Street um, don't ever have to think twice about.
1: Yeah. But if you want the ultimate example Mm -hmm. of a corrupt regime, an incompetent regime, you have to look at the American regime, and what it did in Afghanistan and mm-hmm. the shambolic retreat in that country. The regime in Washington is utterly corrupt and utterly incompetent. And if anyone says no, just say, go to Afghanistan and take a look at what they've like, done over the past 20 years. They spent, I think, two and a half trillion dollars, something like mm-hmm. that. Of course, the numbers that differ. That we know
0: of, that we know of. Yeah, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah. And when when this... So, uh, the government didn't last a month. It didn't. I mean, in in uh, when the Soviets pulled out, the government back then lasted a lot longer. The Americans stayed in, and the so the Soviet Union was there for a decade. The Americans were there for twenty years. They built this army. They built. They they owned the country, and this is what this is what we we've been seeing, and then and look at this shambolic retreat, look at, you know, people falling from airplanes. Yeah. People being killed at the airport. It's completely horrible and and tragic. I'm sure, you know, just recently human rights watch, I think it was, they did a report on Hamas and, and people (laughs) killed by the Hamas resistance. I mean, it's so disgusting, but okay. Then how about the Americans? Just no, retreat. The, the,
0: those, those rules the are f- only... air, the people that,
1: yeah, it only applies to Brown people. Or yes. Anyone. It only it's applies to Brown them.
0: people that aren't like working for the Americans. That's, that's who that, who those are. apply do, to.
1: But if they do work for the Americans, they can still get shot at the airport of course, and they yeah. can, and they can, you know, planes can take off and, you know, who cares about these people who are, you know, if they were, if, the, if these soldiers had an, any humanity The plane would have stopped until these people had left. Exactly. Absolutely no. And these are not Taliban. These are the people who were working with Americans and they wanted to go because they know that because of their cooperation with Americans that their lives, or at least they perceived it to be or perceived it to be now, that their lives are at risk. It's a, fair, it's, a,
0: it's a fair perception and in any situation. That's, that's a very real risk, right? It doesn't matter. Like when another side takes over, <laughs> uh, and you were working for the other side, um, then yeah, you're, you definitely should have an escape plan. And of course the Americans prioritized foreign personnel over everybody else and just said, bye. And people as we saw those iconic uh, images that I think will go down in history, uh, as you know, something that's remembered um, as a moment of American decline, as you mentioned, um, that's just that's what it shows. But you know, I want to and, and,
1: and an absence of any sort of morality, because yeah. these are people who are friendly to the United States and Iran. This horrible Iranian evil regime that the Americans like to demonize day and night. We have millions of people from Afghanistan in this country.
0: And America and Americans- is not.
1: Nope. And then the America, and then you see people falling from planes, people yep. you know, close to the Americans, people being killed at the airport. It's just it's amazing it's a, it 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 is it's unbelievable there I can't even I can't really explain it. It's just so sickening it I mean, is even we know that the the drone strikes carried out by Obama, Trump, and Biden killed civilians more than they killed anyone else. We know mm-hmm. that from, from whistleblowers, from, we know how, but at least they were pretending to target the Taliban or whoever it was. Right. These are people who are begging the Americans, look, we were your faithful employees. Save us, take a, we are going to be killed because of you. And then this is what they do to them
0: hmm. And, you know, speaking of Iran's position here, I mean, it looks like the situation with Afghanistan is the kind of first major foreign policy and national security challenge for the new Iranian president, Ibrahim Raisi, although from what you've described, it doesn't seem so much of a challenge as it is, um, you know, a beneficial situation for Iran. But there is the issue of the nuclear talks. Right. And he's having to deal with that as well. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, from your perspective, Looking at the stalling of these talks and the Americans' just complete inability to make a single compromise, even though they're the ones that violated and ripped up this agreement, at what point does Iran just say, "Screw the talks, we're going home. We can live with sanctions
1: Again, I just want to repeat something because I know some people are going to take like the last sentence and then forget everything that we've been discussing <laughs> for the last hour. It's a good, and thing that to is. Afghanistan for Iran it's so far so good. Yeah. Does that mean Iran loves the Taliban? No. Does that mean that there are not major challenges ahead? No. But just today the Iranian new the new president has offered an olive branch to the Taliban and saying that we you know Afghanistan can now we can look to the future to build the country. So Iran is telling the Taliban basically look just do as you promised. And things can improve for everyone. Again, that doesn't mean that, oh, so you, you're saying that women in Afghanistan are. No, I'm not saying things will get. Worse if anybody, in some look, ways, at this point, at probably, this point,
0: at this point, if anybody who's watched this far really believes that that's what either of us is suggesting, then you're just not listening. And yes, exactly. that's what you want to hear. Um, nobody but if the obvious, people yeah. of
1: Afghanistan love the occupation, <laughs> You would see you would be yeah we don't, we did see crowds at the airport, but we did see lots of people who did not rush at the airport. Of course, yeah. people were they were disgusted with this American occupation. So, but going back to the the issue of the the talk, so what happened? We all know the story. The Iranians and the Americans had a nuclear deal. So how did we have the nuclear deal in the first place? The Americans, Biden, sorry, Biden and his president, Obama, they impose maximum pressure sanctions against ordinary Iranians. This is not something that Trump started. This This is something barbaric that Obama started. Then when the Americans saw that the Iranians were not going to give up nuclear enrichment, the Americans sent a message to Iran that we will accept enrichment. The Iranians agreed to talk. Some in Iran regret that, but that's another story. So they began talks in Oman. This was before President Rouhani. Then President Rouhani was elected. We had the talks expand, and we had then the P5 plus one and the nuclear deal. Good or bad, we had a deal. Many people in Iran thought it was a bad deal. Many thought it was a good deal. Whatever. We had a deal.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Right? So... Obama did not abide by the deal. From day one, he violated it. New sanctions, new laws, promises unkept. And behind the scenes, Obama was also violating the deal. This is something that I know of personally. This is something that I know of because a number of European bankers came to Iran, and for some reason, they wanted to see me. They thought like I'm influential <laughs> or whatever. Uh, so. You heard-
0: show we have influence i'm going to call you that i'm going to say we have on dispatches influential (laughs) irani
1: i love how they say i'm like close to the regime you know the evil regime and so on and 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 when and sometimes these reporters come to see me they come to my office and i don't have a secretary i don't have you know if i'm so important then i should have at least some you're very very humble you're just very humble
0: Maybe you're just
1: yeah, humble. just so humble. Yeah. <laughs> no, if if they, if there's an offer, I mean, I'd be very happy to have a few people working for me. If anyone's listening from Tehran, so uh, I'm even having a problem on campus. They wanted me to share my room with someone else. So, that, so that, <laughs> oh no, yeah, we'll start. So a, we'll anyway. start a petition. We'll
0: start a petition. This for is you. yeah. This is, the, I'm, uh, this
1: is I'm, the, I'm I'm a this is a, my resistance. So far, I'm so far I've been able to keep the room to myself. But anyway, <laughs> so this is the state of affairs for the, the spokesman for the regime. Uh, anyway, now, that, now after that short rant uh, and uh, gr- my grievances uh, explained, um, Obama violated the deal. These people came to Iran, these European bankers. I don't want to mention which country they were from, but they were from one of the most the larger economies in Europe. Okay. In the, the Germans. EU. Not that one. But I, <laughs> I won't read yeah. it. But right after that, there are like three countries, like let's okay. say the the French, the Italians, and the British, back then the British. Okay. One of these three. Anyway. Okay. So they were, were narrowing Iran. it.
0: We're narrowing it down. <laughs> yeah. Anyway.
1: I don't think it's a secret, but I just anyway. I just so they came to see me and they said, look, we want to do business in Iran. But uh, the Americans Obama after the nuclear deal, months after the nuclear, that the Americans have told us, if you work with Iran, we'll we'll punish you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a violation of the deal. That's a violation of the spirit of the deal. It's a, it's, it's a violation that the Americans violated the deal at all levels, but then comes in Trump. And of course, in my advice was, okay, well, you can't do anything then. <laughs> I could, what mm-hmm. advice am I supposed to give to these people? Right. Anyway, So then Trump comes in, he wrecks the deal altogether. The Iranians, when he wrecks the deal, they continue to abide by the deal in full. Right. Even though the Americans and the Europeans, the Europeans were nagging about it, but they were complying with all of Trump's demands. So the Europeans were in complete violation of the deal. So it was maximum pressure, not just Trump, the whole of the EU and Trump and Canada and so on. So for a full year, the Iranians continued to implement the deal in full, a one-sided deal. Only one side of the deal was being... And then after a year, the Iranians, because the Europeans kept making promises that we're going to do something they never did and they never planned to do. And we were saying all along that they're lying. People like me, at least. Some in the government were naive i think or the supporters of the administration some many were naive i think but anyway just like that west toxification thing but i won't go there so after a year the iranians in order to start putting pressure on the europeans they began to gradually in five phases five phases reduce their commitments which took almost made it almost two years so after two years the iranians had stopped implementing large segments of the deal, but they still continue to give ex- extraordinary access. In other words, they were still implementing part of the deal until just a few months ago, when uh, Trump was about to leave office, when parliament passed a law where the Iranians stopped implementation altogether. So this, the, the side that wrecked the deal was not Iran. It was the other side. They damaged the Iranian economy, killed many people, cancer patients, and and they, they destroyed lives, families, jobs, everything. Biden comes to power, and again, some naive people were saying, and I and some other people were saying he's not going to reverse any of the presidential decrees, and he didn't. But Biden basically continued Trump sanctions. We still have Trump's policies being pursued it is the maximum pressure sanctions that we're seeing today. So Biden and Iran and the P4 plus one, because the Americans left the nuclear deal, started having talks in Vienna, as you know. Mm -hmm. In those talks, the result of those talks were that the Americans, A, not only were they not going to compensate because they caused hundreds of billions of dollars in damage, but they wanted to keep A lot of the sanctions in place, the sanctions put in, implemented after the nuclear deal, which was a violation. The Iranians are saying you have to go back to the nuclear deal. And they wanted to put new conditions on Iran. In -hmm. other words, it was no longer the JCPOA. They wanted something different. And their argument was that, well, Iran's nuclear program made progress. Well, Iran waited two years. Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And 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 the damage done to Iran, and you left the deal. You can't expect Iran to pay the price for. So, but, but then, can, so, but then,
0: so under these conditions, though, is it even possible then to have a new deal? Like, why would Iran even agree? It's, it doesn't seem like it.
1: Like it's possible. Look, look at what happened in Afghanistan. The United States has been kicked out of the country. Right. The United States is weak. The United States is. At home, you have the divisions that we've been seeing. The United States is on the decline. Who's being, Who? which side is ascending? Iran and its allies, despite all the hardships. You see Yemen, you see Syria, you see Afghanistan. And Lebanon. Afghanistan is a win for Iran, not for the United States. It's a loss for the United States. Uh, Lebanon. Although people are suffering, and that, of course, is because of American sanctions. Americans, you know, they carry out collective punishment everywhere. Whenever they don't get their way, everyone has to suffer. Everyone has to – It's. I mean, this is the sort of thing you'd imagine the Nazis would do, but, you know, the Americans would never – anyway. So if there's going to be a change in the nuclear deal, it's the Iranians who should be dictating terms, saying, well, the situation now today is not 2015. You're in a tougher situation, not us. Mm-hmm. Your allies are in trouble. Your occupation is your occupation is floundering. So the Iranians, but, but the Iranians are saying is no, we just want the deal. Implement the deal in full, and we implement the deal in full. But the Western media pretends as if mm-hmm. Biden it wants wants to implement the deal. But no, he doesn't. The Biden and the Europeans, by the way. The Europeans are, are they're not just listening to the Biden. Some you know some respect their worse. They want to impose new conditions on the deal. And the Iranians are saying, no, we're not going to appease
0: I mean, it's amazing. Biden if even they, if said, well, the Iranians... the, the, yeah. I was going to say the Biden administration even said that if they sign a new deal with Iran, this is what Anthony Blinken said, the secretary of state. If we sign a new deal with re- Iran, we can't guarantee the deal because yes. we're, a de- we're a democracy. So the next administration that gets elected, if they want to come in and rip it up, we can't do anything to stop it because we're such a lovely democracy. I mean, they're exactly. li- they're even saying that they can literally exit the deal whenever they want. No strings attached. I mean, why would anybody go into a deal with a country that's telling them that's literally telling you we're going to break it when we
1: feel like if, it? if Iran wanted to appease the Biden regime? Why did they wait for four years? They could have appeased Trump. Yeah. The whole point was that the Iranians said no to Trump because they were saying no to appeasement, because the Iranians knew that once you go down that road of appeasement, then it's a never ending process. Mm-hmm. Six months down the road, they're they're going to impose new sanctions and say, well, you have to give more concessions. And then a year later, more sanctions, more it's concessions.
0: Like, it's like you don't negotiate with terrorists, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, it depends.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just getting yeah, a, a dig yeah. in at the U.S. Uh, yeah. I wanted to ask you about uh, the issue with the Saudis. Um, the Saudis and the Iranians have but, been having. But to- just oh. one
1: sentence. Sorry mm-hmm. for interrupting. Iran has not left the deal. If the Americans decide to choose a sane policy and implement the deal, then the Iranians are more than willing to reciprocate. But if the Americans want to go down the same road, that it's been pursuing for the last few months, then it's going to be stalemate.
0: Yeah, Uh, which is unfortunately where it seems like things are heading. Um, That said, the Iranians and the Saudis have been in some sort of talks. I'm curious, you know, what are the developments on these talks and what's your view on the usefulness of them?
1: The Iranians have been saying for years that we're willing to talk with the Saudis. And Mohammed bin Salman has been saying no. Mm-hmm. Then, because the Saudis are in such trouble, they've you know they they've had so much trouble since Mohammed bin Salman came to power. We all remember how uh, the New York Times they gave such positive reviews of of Mohammed bin the Salman reformer,
0: back then. <laughs> yeah, the
1: reformer, and uh, anyway. <laughs> so, uh, so he, you know, what he did to Hariri, kidnapped the former Lebanese prime minister, beat him. Uh, then it was the war in Yemen, the genocidal war, which the Saudis have lost, and they are still losing. Then it was the uh, inside Saudi Arabia, the whole Saud family you know, mo- many of them being arrested and kept at the Ritz and and that. Then it was Jamal Khashoggi and the, his murder. And so the Saudis, and then there was Qatar and the siege on Qatar. So the Saudis isolated themselves. And now it's, it's the Emirates. Uh, the, the Saudis and the Emirates can no longer get along.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is always a good so thing, Saudi by rate- the way. My belief is that when the Gulf states are fighting each other, it's, a, it's good news for the
1: rest of us in this region. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's true. But, but Saudi Arabia so now is in, is in a much weaker position than it was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, if the war in Yemen continues, you're going to see. I mean, look at what happened to the Americans in Afghanistan. Who says that the Saudis can sustain the situation? It could certainly, lead to certainly can't it could, win. It could lead and, and, and it could lead to internal collapse. It could lead to collapse. So the Saudis know they have major problems. I mean, in the United States, they don't like to think about this. The, but if Saudi Arabia begins to wobble, all these countries in the Persian Gulf region, these small monarchies, all of them will fall. They are they're, they're the Emirates only has like one million citizens. Mm-hmm. The rest are just foreign slaves, like seven, eight million foreign slaves. Yep. Or so the Saudis began to shift, and the reason why General and so General Soleimani, when he was murdered by the Americans, General Soleimani, the great hero who led the fight against ISIS and Al Qaeda, who defeated ISIS and Al Qaeda in Syria and Iraq. He was going to see the Iraqi prime minister. The morning he arrived, he was going in at eight, I think eight in the morning he was going, he was supposed to see the Iraqi prime minister to discuss a letter sent by Saudi Arabia to the prime minister. He wanted to push the two countries towards some sort of rapprochement and the Americans murdered him. Mm-hmm. Along with the Iraq, his Iraqi counterpart who was Abu Mahdi al-Mohandis, was also key to the defeat of ISIS. The very same ISIS that the Americans, the Turks, and others, well, Erdogan, let's say, many Turks are deeply opposed to all this, but, um, and, and others, and NATO, and the, the, and others, you know, the same ISIS that these countries in the Persian Gulf, they all backed and supported. The evidence is so overwhelming. We don't have time for this. I know you, you've covered this extensively, and so have your, your friends and colleagues. So I don't want to go there, you know, what Biden himself said at Harvard, or what uh, Kerry said to these so-called Syrian opposition figures and, and the leaked tape, and you know, mm-hmm. the Defense Intelligence Agency document of 2012 and General Flynn's interview on Al Jazeera, or the or Hillary Clinton's emails. There's there's it's just piling there's,
0: up. <laughs> it's just too much. Admissions. we could speak
1: for hours. Yeah, there's yeah. there's hours of evidence that we could just talk about. We could talk for hours. But so he was murdered by the Americans in order because while he was going to Iraq to help ease the situation. In any case, after that, the Saudis continued to uh, ask for talks mm-hmm. and they've been ha- and they have negotiated. And my understanding is that the Saudis have been very positive, but that the Iranians are cautious yeah. because the Iranians are telling the Saudis normalization. Can only really take place once the war in Yemen has ended. The genocide in Yemen is not something that we can just close our eyes to. And Mohammed bin Salman has to make that decision. He's he's a he's a war criminal, of just like just like Obama and Trump and Biden, and and the the Canadian Prime Minister and the British Prime Minister and the French President and the German Chancellor. <laughs> of the, uh, Long list. Uh, yeah that anyway, so all of it but he but if he wants if he wants good relations with Iran, he has to end the war, yeah, and the Iranians are not going to negotiate on behalf of Yemen, the Iranians are not going to negotiate on behalf of hezbollah, the Iranians are not going to negotiate on behalf of the popular mobilization forces or Syria
0: because contrary That's, to what the west believes these are not proxies of iran <laughs> they're just exactly allied with and, it
1: exactly and this is one of the major mistakes that western governments and western regimes make and that is that they think that iran functions like they do yeah it's sort of like the the whole refugee issue they deal you know they take in 100 refugees and they think that they've saved the world Whereas usually the <laughs> refugees that come in are as a result of their own genocidal wars. But, you know, that aside, they, their proxies in this region obey the United States. They obey NATO. They, they do as they're told. These Iranians, these are not, the, the Iranian friends are not proxies, they're allies. What is, what is the evidence of this? And this also the mis- miscalculation that Westerners made. They said that, okay, well, if we strangle the Iranian people, if we kill Iranian women and children through sanctions, if we make them suffer, then the Iranian so-called proxies, they'll all collapse because yeah. the money won't be flowing in anymore. Okay, we've had years of maximum pressure campaign. Are Iranian proxies weaker today? The so-called proxies? No. Why? Because they're not proxies. They have an ideology, and that is anti-imperialist. Their aims are similar to the Iranians. We want the foreigners out. And in that respect, one of the things that brought the Taliban and Iran closer to each other, not that they're the same, right, closer to each other, was they both had a common objective, and that is getting the imperialists, the occupation, the occupiers out of the country. So the Saudis, they have to make a decision. If they make that decision, then relations can be normalized. But I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious about this. And I know that Americans don't like to believe this. Saudi Arabia cannot continue to go down this road much longer. No. And I think the shambolic American retreat in Afghanistan is evidence that if the United States a superpower, cannot sustain an occupation forever, the Saudi regime, which is a family dictatorship, which produces nothing, almost nothing of its own, is completely reliant on the United States, which is on the decline. This regime has been spending hundreds of billions of dollars in this genocidal war. This, isn't, this cannot last much longer. So if the, if the Americans want to preserve their ally in Saudi Arabia, because Americans love Wahhabi regimes, we we have a history of that, and you know, and it's also interesting this whole Islamophobia that we have in the West. These Muslims, the the the, the, the these, these Muslims that are these so-called Muslims that carry out all these attacks, are the same. They're the products of of Western intelligence agencies and Western funding. They're yes. not. They don't have It's not like some
0: natural. Yeah. It's not like it actually was imposed and pushed into this region for a number of factors that would take hours to for, go into yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. Some of them we've already <laughs> covered. Yeah.
1: Right, so, right. Exactly. So, Saudi Arabia, the relationship depends on Saudi Arabia.
0: Yeah. So I guess, you know, thank you again, once again, if, if for those who, have, who are still watching, um, you know, you've we did a, another lengthy interview after the election of Ibrahim Marisi, uh, where we spoke at length about even more issues than we've spoken about now. And I want to thank you again for giving me so much of your time. But before we end here, I wanted to ask you, you know, again, I'm still in Lebanon. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, it's awful what's happening in this country. It's just everything, infrastructurally speaking, is collapsing because of this fuel shortage um, that, of course, is related to the U.S. maximum pressure campaign, but is also being imposed internally by U.S. allies. I'm curious from Iran, you know, what is the Iranian view of what's happening in Lebanon right now? Um, Is it being covered? How is it seen uh, in Iran? It is being
1: covered. Yeah, it is being covered. And the view in Tehran is that The Americans will make people suffer. They'll kill people to get their way. If it's yeah, the genocide in Yemen is being carried out with American support. Even when Biden came to power, he made some comments about Saudi Arabia and you know some. Authoritarianism, changes, or yeah. some changes to the way in which the Americans are supporting the war, which were all nonsense. And the British, yeah. by the way, have a huge role to play in the atrocities. Uh, the whole of Europe, but the British in particular, are helping a lot with the Saudi Air Force to commit all these atrocities. The, these British uh, advisors in, in, uh, in Saudi Arabia, they're all murderers. They're all murderers. They're, 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 they're mass murderers. All of these people involved, they're all mass murderers. They're, they're just as evil as Saddam Hussein. They're just as evil as Stalin or mm-hmm. any other murder that the American people, Saddam Hussein or Netanyahu or anyone else. At the Anyway, so the, uh, the Iranians know that, it, like in Syria, or like in Afghanistan, when the Americans were withdrawing, they pulled the rug out from under the government in the hope that this would create chaos. Otherwise they could have had an ordinarily withdrawal slow slowly and coordinated with the government and the government would have lasted longer at least but it was you know when you pull the plug from under the gun, it's obvious what 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 they were after of course even then they miscalculated because Iran was not going to let the, them have their civil war and hopefully they won't there will be no civil war. Let's hope and pray that the Taliban you know, really does have a, a very different attitude and behavior. But the Americans, when they couldn't get, have Syria, they destroy it. So, you know, forget the dirty war. Now it's the, it's the uh, Caesar sanctions and the European sanctions, all to make ordinary Syrians suffer to bring them to their knees. The same is true in Lebanon. The Iranians yeah. see what's happening. So you bring the people to their knees. You destroy society. You crush society so you can get your way. That's how the Americans are treating this. The Iranians w- are willing to help. But, you know, the Americans are, are, are threatening- actually <laughs> Yeah, but the Americans are threatening Lebanon. They're saying if you get anything from Iran, we will, you know, we will. I
0: spoke to one advisor. I spoke to one advisor to a very important person in the government who told me that the U.S., stated in its messaging to the government that if you accept even one liter even one liter of fuel from iran we will get rid of your last financial institution that is hooked into this international swift system lebanon apparently only has like one in one bank that remains hooked into the swift system which is how you make financial transactions internationally and essentially import things um and and move money uh and they they threat they said that's your last lifeline we will we will get rid of it you will have no lifeline left if you take even one liter of iranian fuel and this is this is at a time when lebanese people are they they are it's it's very very hot outside and there is There hasn't been state electricity in almost two days not even an hour of state electricity the state electricity grid is no longer functional in lebanon and there's a diesel shortage so people can no longer power their generators and it's all a man-made shortage based on the fact that the there's like all this stuff happening with the prices because of the removal of subsidies for political reasons being done by america's allies in the country so lebanon is such an interesting case because. It's not like Syria where it's under some sort of Caesar sanctions, though the Caesar sanctions affect it. It's on top of the sanctions in the region that you cannot separate from this tiny little country that is dependent on the rest of the region. On top of this maximum pressure campaign, you also have in Lebanon, which is much more effective, the internal american puppets and saudi puppets who are a part of the government are a part of the power elite and they are doing this they are doing this in this country they don't even have to have the americans tell them what to do they just know what to do and they do it
1: well they they they're they're paid they they these people are are you know puppets they they are sort of like the uh, the the afghani president mm-hmm. they they will do what the yeah. Americans tell them to do. So, and so the people will suffer as a result. So, how evil can you get when you make when you tr- you know Gaza is mm-hmm. is, a, is 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 shows evil. how evil the apartheid yeah. regime is. The Americans have destroyed the whole region. It's not just they Lebanon, Syria. Iraq. They've taken Gaza. I
0: think Gaza Yemen. actually gets more electricity right now than Lebanon. They take they've taken it's the Gazafication. It's like the Gaza laboratory. Not just pushed, Lebanon. Right.
1: If it wasn't for Iranian fuel, Syria would have no electricity.
0: Oh, yeah. And they yeah. are
1: doing and they and look what they've done to Libya.
0: Mm-hmm. Look
1: what they're doing in Venezuela. Look at what they're doing in Cuba. Look what they did in Bolivia. And this just goes on. Mm -hmm. the list just goes on
0: evil is really the only word you can come up with like i actually don't know how these people can sleep at night knowing that they're depriving just millions and millions of people in every region of the world access to the basic necessities of life all for the purposes of some geopolitical chessboard game
1: (laughs) their narratives are there are there is are there is their alcohol it's their drugs it's what keeps them you know so they say oh our intentions are good and and all that. It's their own incompetence. It's their own corruption. So it's, it's all
0: a, worth it. Like Madeline Albright all, said, yes, right? It's
1: all it's worth it's all worth it because it's for a greater cause. So they will destroy country after country. But ultimately, what has this done? It has bankrupted the United States. It has brought in millions of refugees and more will be coming into Europe. Mm-hmm. And that is creating uh, instability in Europe the rise of the right and the divide. And then you have Latin America, this, all of these, the policies of the 1980s and the U.S. and policies across Latin America, all of this is coming back to haunt those, the perpetrators of all these crimes. Because when the refugees come in on the one hand, when all this money has been wasted on wars and dirty wars and, and so on, all of these come back to haunt these governments that were behind it. 9/11 is the sort of blowback that you, you know, that's clear. It's you know these ex, these extremists, these terrorists, they suddenly decide to go and destroy the twin towers. And by the way, when I saw those people fall from the American plane, it reminded me of the innocent people who jumped from the twin towers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, actually had the, the same, you know, I had
0: the same image in my head. Interestingly it's enough, like
1: the same, you know, this the same ruthlessness that you saw in Al Qaeda, those pilots were, those U S soldiers were just as ruthless. But, um, but the point is that that's one kind of blowback that is very clear. The terrorists, you train suddenly blows up your own family, mm-hmm. but this, the blowback for U S policy in Afghanistan is the emptying of the middle class forget liberal capitalist policies which has you know it has its own role but the 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 rapid decline of the middle class this depletion as a result of liberal policies would have been would have taken a couple 2 3 decades i more i would imagine if they had not waged these wars so it intensified this Situation that we see in Western countries today, then the refugees that cause their own problems, racism, and the divide in, in these countries at a time when the middle class is 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 declining or collapsing. So this is blowback. Yep. All of this, all of this is is blowback, but it's not so visible. It's not you know you see line nine eleven and you saw al Qaeda before. Okay, you can. But when you see all these refugees coming into Europe, it's a result of their dirty war in Syria. It's a result of what they did in Iraq. It's a result of what they did in Afghanistan. It's a result of all the sanctions. It's the destruction of Yemen it's a, or in Latin America. And, and of course, the, the, the amount of money that the United States wastes on military bases and on wars and all that, it, all of these together has created the situation where we saw the rise of Trump and where we see the United States in its shambolic retreat in Afghanistan. So this is all blowback.
0: And that should be the, the lesson of this entire conversation is blowback, uh, and lessons for American decline. Mohammad Morandi, professor of English literature and Orientalism at the university of Tehran. Where can people follow you? Uh, so they can keep up with your incredible work. I see you've been writing for Maya Dean's English section these days. Um, that's one place. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I, my, uh, my uh, Facebook account has been disabled <laughs> by Facebook. My Instagram has, account has been disabled. So I still tweet. Uh, I still use my Twitter account so they can follow me on Twitter. I do write uh, every now and then. I'm not, I don't like writing. It's not easy for me. <laughs> really? But, uh, yeah, I don't like writing. Yeah, you
0: seem like a natural. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed no, that. No,
1: no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm very lazy. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'd rather, yeah, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I'm very lazy. So, uh, but I've been writing for Al in English for the past few weeks. Yeah, you know, I've written four articles and I'm supposed to write another one. I suppose it will be on Afghanistan.
0: <laughs> you should period. just take what you said here and turn it into an article because it was excellent and very informative. Thank, Thank you so you much for much. taking the time to break Thank it all down so for Thank you so much us. for having me.